What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new Rugby Muscle Podcast. I'm your host, as always, TJ. And in this episode, this is episode 110, I'm going to be answering another bunch of you guys' questions, this time from Instagram. Um, and rather than get straight into it, I just wanted to make sure that everyone was aware that you could win three free months of world-class strength and conditioning throughout all of April. So if you enter the competition during April, you don't win three months during April, that would be one month. You can win three free months of world-class strength and conditioning delivered directly to your phone uh, by giving us a five-star review and typing up a few words so I can see your name. And the winner of, or the current winner who needs to claim his prize is underscore Tommy H, who gave us a five-star review and he said... I can't believe my name was mentioned three podcasts away from Brett Contreras being a guest. It's not much, but I'll take it five stars. So, Tommy, still waiting on you, mate. You're giving us reviews. You want to get in touch. Um, actually, as he brings that up, I think it was also, like, it's, it's funny he says that because Brett Contreras was, was definitely my favorite podcast that I've done so far. Like, we really delve deep into um like real like the real weird nature of sports science like rather than all the technical stuff like a real good overarching theme um i i suggest everyone goes heads and gives that gives that a listen to because it is it is really 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 good i enjoyed it a lot and um i also have to point out that uh brett himself was definitely one of my idols and still is like he is one of the biggest names in sports science and so it, it was it's great to have him on and have other guests and that's why we're trying to get you guys to give us reviews because it helps us get more and more quality guests on the more reviews we get the bigger pool we have the more you know i'm not saying we're going to go to joe rogan levels and get elon musk on but never say never never say never and with that being said it is time for the fact of the week Alright, so this week's fact, uh, I'm going to list out according to, who's it according to? Uh, the University of Warwick. They found that the 12 funnest, funniest words in the English language are booty, tit, booby, hooter, nitwit, twit, waddle, twinkle, bebop, egghead, ass, A-S-S, not arse, ass and twerp. Ooh, twerp, that's a great word. Well, I'm going to start to incorporate a little bit more often in my own vocabulary, I think. Um, but yeah, those are the 12 funniest words of the English language without any context or anything like that. So if you want to just get a cheap laugh from your mates, just say any of those 12 words. And apparently words themselves can be funny without any context. But you know what can't be beneficial without any context? Questions. Uh, because, <laughs> I, I don't know, I, that was me just trying to... <clears throat> claw at getting a really good transition there but you know what i'm saying that's why we do these q a sessions because we need to get a lot of context behind them because i want to dive deep into them and without further ado let's get into the questions so first question we have here is from uh, my boy sean he says how do i improve overhead squat mobility getting past parallel i start to drop the bar okay so this is a perfect question to demonstrate why context is really really important I would ask, why are you trying to do the overhead squat? Why do you need more mobility to do a better overhead squat? If it's just for to make you a better rugby player, eh, find find, find something else to better to do with your time. But if it's to do, and, and also, let's, let's go even further, if it's to do a full snatch, again, I would say, eh, find something better to do with your time. You're going to get most of the benefits, or if not all of the benefits of a snatch 
for rugby by doing a um, power snatch. So you get the benefits. Like if you have really good mobility, obviously that's that's going to be beneficial. But doing the overhead squat, like trying to get real deep in the overhead squat to for like its own sake, isn't necessarily great um, unless. At, or, or mobility drills to get better at doing the overhead squat for the sake of the overhead squat is kind of pointless for a rugby player. If you want to do the overhead squat as a mobility movement yourself in order to become a better rugby player, I can see the merits of that. And therefore, that gives me the answer to the question, right? How do I improve my overhead squat mobility? By doing a lot more overhead squats. Um, sometimes overhead squat mobility, people think, and I've, well, I remember we asked this and we went through it with a Chris Speed uh, podcast go ahead and give, give that a listen to if you're really hot on wanting to improve your snatch overhead squat all that sort of stuff but i find that um people think it's shoulder mobility and that's because their shoulders end up being like all the way behind their back and they're, they're still at a 45 degree angle with their torso that's a problem with hip mobility your your um hip mobility and your center of gravity so you've got to get a better feel for that movement and it is definitely going to be mostly hip mobility so that you can drop your sink your butt and hips down into that squat so that you can keep quite a vertical torso and therefore you don't need as much shoulder mobility so a bunch of different stretches for the hips um you can do the couch stretch you can do the pigeon stretch those are my two favorites to sort of help out the hips um, and then just getting underweight and squatting, doing overhead squats, doing um, uh, high bar squats with a light weight. Those sorts of things are going to help because, again, when we're working mobility, rather than just do a bunch of different stretches, it's a good idea to move through weight or move weight through some some sort of motion through the biggest range of motion that's gonna what's gonna increase your mobility the best um i remember i think i got a question asked recently about the best way to loosen out your hamstrings and again i think rdls is by far that's what's people have people that have tight hamstrings do a few blocks of rdls with perfect form all of a sudden you have much better hamstrings um in terms of your mobility but also in terms of like how you can function them as well because it's not just tight it's inactive it's all that sort of thing and so um, rather than just do a bunch of different mobility drills training weight through a full range of motion will always be the best so hopefully that answers that question next question we've got so are you eventually going to go full vegan um i don't think so i don't think i'm going to go full vegan i don't think that's something that's for me i'm gonna i probably will touch on this and for those that don't know if you recall back in my goal setting podcast um and actually it's about time for an update so i'll do one of those soon uh, but when I did my goal setting podcast, I said that I want to be doing a, a more humane way of eating. Well, it turns out that did lead to me being able to do um, a lot more, uh, being able to stick a lot more with a vegetarian based diet. And so then I just said, one day I just said, fuck it, I'm going to be a vegetarian. And with that, I'm kind of flexitarian. So if I go out, I sometimes I eat meat. If there's something amazing on the menu or if there are no real good options, I'll go for fish. If someone's cooked a meal that's got meat and they're saying, here you go, and they didn't know, I'm obviously going to eat that, like things like that. I'm not really doing anything overly dramatic. I'm just trying to do my bit to sort of drive down the demand for factory farming um, because I think it's fucking the environment. It's, it's, it's kind of as simple as that. And I don't really mean to preach to anyone. You do what you want to do. <clears throat> eat however you want to eat but 
we're seriously fucked people and I said this in the last podcast I'm not going to keep going on about it and really I think the the, the major change is going to have to come from uh, the governments and stuff so I'm just trying to do my bit but eventually I don't think me being a vegan compared to me being like eating some eggs and some dairy is really going to make the biggest difference um, but definitely me eat, not eating the amount of chicken I ate and stuff probably will make a little bit of a difference or at least it clears my conscience and I just feel a little bit better that's all that's all that I'm doing okay quit quit moaning at me people actually fun fact from that I, I will go on and say that I've actually had more shit by being like this weird flexitarian thing from meat eaters saying I'm a complete wimp or I'm a weirdo or whatever it is you know I'm gonna lose all my gains I actually haven't had one vegan or anyone oh you didn't get a text that was me I haven't actually had one vegan that's um complained to me and said oh you should do it properly blah 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 so that's kind of cool it was something i didn't see i thought i'd get a lot of hate from vegans but it doesn't didn't happen anyway let's move on to the next question um so my man faz who uh i was on the podcast he was on his podcast uh, that i released for our guys on sunday he asks the question he says i also have a fairly long history with fasting 24 hour especially what do you like about it um faz I just like how convenient it is to just not eat, you know? You've got to think about um, cost or time benefits. If you're not eating food, you don't have to spend time cooking, you don't have to spend time eating, you don't have to spend mental energy worrying about whether what you're going to eat is in plan. It then allows you a lot more freedom to, you know, opens up a whole bunch more options, especially if you're on fairly low calories later on in the day. Um, it's the same reason I'm not a big snacker. I like just doing, getting my big square meals, because that way you you can you, you can be really flexible with those meals and get a lot of high fat high carb high protein you can get it all in um, with those meals and get really nice and satiated and nice and full and enjoy those meals whereas if you spread them across like three meals or four meals plus three or four snacks all of a sudden all of those servings all of those portions are a lot smaller they're not as satisfying you can't be as flexible and it just ends up being a lot more harder a lot more harder, a lot more difficult. And one thing I will say though about fasting is um, since um, doing my vegetarian diet, I do get a lot more hungrier more often. I think because I'm, because I am bulking, so I'm trying to eat a lot more food. I end up a little bit more hungrier in the mornings and, oh, I also work out more in the mornings now. So fasting isn't the most beneficial for me. I will try and do a fast one day a week and probably break it at like noon 2 p.m something like that so nothing major when i go back into a cutting schedule i will then add in some fast because i do think they're definitely beneficial for people that are trying to cut weight all right i think that answers that question very well next question who's the strongest rugby player you have worked with um i'm not going to name names i don't want to name drop but Nah, I'm not going to name names because everyone is strong in their own right. Like you can't compare a scrum half who is tiny strength to a prop strength, uh, pound for pound. You also can't compare that same like that same prop versus the scrum half in terms of body weight because the prop's job is to be big and the scrum half's job is to uh, you know be slight, be powerful for their size, that sort of thing. And so eh, I'm not going to name names. What's the point? Um, it's it's just. Not something I think is beneficial for anybody. Sorry. I answered it on um, Instagram with a actual name, so hopefully you caught that, uh, Gio, for uh, argument's sake anyways. Next question. Oh, no, we answered that one. Next question 
is going to be, uh, here we go. Can you add more chat around the modern day hookers role? How to improve play? Um, so I'd say the modern day hooker is very much like a flanker or it's, it's very much like a flanker who, how do I put this? It's like a flanker who isn't as tall as a flanker. Uh, it's as simple as that, really, um, except they probably have to be a little bit stronger because um, if you're a front row, obviously your neck has to be a lot stronger. You have to learn how to scrummage really well. But then other, other than that, around the field, you sort of have to be um, really elusive. You have to be fit. You have to be around the park. You're expected, that's expected of you. But at the same time, um, I think that's now becoming more and more and more expected of props, of locks. If you look at Maro Otoji, if you look at people like Kyle Sinclair, I'm not just name dropping the England guys. There's a bunch of different players from all over the world that, in all positions, that can do all jobs, you know. And I think rather than say the modern day hooker, I actually argue we're talking about the modern day rugby player because you are expected to do all jobs in all positions. Obviously. Uh, set piece and stuff has has different things but you know your wingers are expected to ruck ferociously your centers are ex- expected to ruck ferociously your uh, centers are definitely expected to compete for the ball and get some turnover so are your wingers so are, so is your fly half in some teams scrum half for sure you know your props are expected to run with the ball in space and be able to pass equally off of both hands very well as well um, I don't think there is um, a definite uh, how do we say this? Out of set, outside a set piece, the modern rugby player is becoming more and more and more uh, like for like. It's not a case like it was back in the day where we would have, <clears throat> you know, the prop was a tall. I mean, the prop, the second row was a tall, lanky guy. The prop was the fat bloke. The winger was the little tiny guy that was kind of fast. You know, it's not like that anymore because, and that's why we have. Things like uh, rugby muscle that exists because of modern day strength and conditioning, like you can build athletes that can just do all sorts of jobs. And now, as we do, you know, when we're looking at skill science as well, like how we're getting, how the game is getting better and better and more and more and more widespread, we also have like more understanding of what is required by each team for each position. It's more a case now of being as athletic as you can be, but also keeping it up your skills as high as you can, uh, improving your skills as best as you can. But um, I think there's no excuse now for people not to be athletes at any level, that is, not just at the highest level. But at any level, we're seeing more and more and more athletic people in every single position on the rugby field. And now uh, this turns into a bit more of a philosophical question of, you know, what makes you you as a good rugby player? Is it is it are you a sort of person that will step around people into contact? Are you the sort of person that will sell dummies, and that's how you be a defender? Are you the sort of person that will truck a bloke? It, it all depends. And then you can also even open that up to the fact that if you're someone who tends to truck a bloke, then does that then attract defenders in? And then you're then a decoy or someone if you can give a pass, then all of a sudden you're an even bigger bigger threat. So I think it's about being as well-rounded a rugby player as you could possibly be as opposed to just a hooker. And the way you train for that is simply it's not just a case of being strong. It's a case of being really, really fit because the more you can last in a game, the more you can stay healthy and, and having a high level of fitness is 
absolutely related to keeping off injuries. The more you can stay healthy, the more you can train. That means the more practice, the more reps you get in of rugby, rugby skills, rugby conditioning, um, and doing all of that sort of stuff is going to make you a better player in general. So I think rather than like give too much of a cop-out answer, I will say that you know uh, that's why we've made Team Rugby Muscle that will be released in May because we wanted to create completely well-rounded athletes. And so rather than focus on uh, a position-specific workout, we're focusing on um, in-season, off-season, and whether you're looking more for aesthetic-leaning sort of uh, goals or if you're looking for purely performance-based goals because those are two different distinguish uh, distinguishes. Those are two different distinctions that you have to make in terms of your training as to what you want to do on the rugby pitch or on the beach. And so rather than do position-specific stuff, we're doing in-season versus off-season, and then we're treating everyone the same because you have to be aerobically fit, you have to be powerful, you have to be strong, you have to be fast. And for all of those things, you have to train them sequentially in the right order so that one thing feeds into the next. So we've we've spoken ad nauseum, I think, in the past about um, periodization, and our thoughts are very similar to what they were back in the day. So I'd go ahead and give those a listen to see how you can really structure your training to make sure you get the best of everything because it's not just train all the aspects of fitness and all the aspects of strength at the same time. It's about putting them in the right order, prioritizing the right thing at the right time, either at the right stage of the season or at the right stage of your personal uh, rugby career. You know, If you're a beginner, then you're going to focus a lot more on building muscle because if you're trying to build strength out or if you're trying to build power, you don't have enough of a base to build up that strength and that power from. So hopefully that all makes sense. Um, and we will get more into what uh, Team Rugby Muscle is about in a future episode. All right, it's time for our last question of the day. We have the question here. It says, any good glute isolation exercise recommendations already do squats and deads? Uh, I'd say my first answer to that question is that squats and deads, or I think you know this, they're not not glute isolation exercises. Um, I would say that both of those can do a good job of building out big, big glutes. But they're far from isolation exercises, and you also have to make sure that you are really driving the glutes. Glutes are very much a case of getting a mind-muscle connection when you're trying to do that. So you're really trying to squeeze those butt cheeks together on your way up, especially in a squat and when you get to the knee portion of your deadlift. So uh, let's take the deadlift first. So you've got to make sure you do it mechanically right. So you're, you're almost leg pressing off the floor, keeping a straight back until you get to your knees. And then when you get to your knees, all you're going to do is squeeze your glutes. And that's what finishes a deadlift, and that's what builds out a big bootay. But um, squats, I wouldn't say, are the best for if you're trying to build a big ass. You know when you see the chicks that have got, uh, or when you see the, the, the slogan, she squats, bro, and then there's chicks with like a giant ass and skinny legs and that sort of stuff. It doesn't happen. If, you build, if, you're, doing squad, if you're doing squats, if you're doing squats, you're going to be building out big, thick legs. And hey, I ain't got a problem with big, thick legs. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that um, you're not going to build out only the ass doing squats. That's not how it works. But again, same thing. Squeeze that ass on your way up. But I'd say if you're trying to go for overall ass mass, then obviously we had the glute guy on last week, Brett Contreras, who is the inventor of the hip thrust. 
which is a phenomenal movement for building out uh, glute mass. Problem with that movement, I find, and I didn't t- want to tell him this, obviously, but the problem with that, I find, is that you have to load up so much weight once you start to get good at it. Ends up being a real ball ache to set up in the gym, and then it gets a little bit of a grind on the hips. I know he has a bunch of different solutions, um, like tying a belt around it, or and then having, like, well, you can see his machines that he has. There's a di- bunch of different ways to do it. You can use dumbbells, you can use single legs, you can have your hips up on a bench, you can have your feet up on the bench, and so you uh, hips go even lower bunch of different things that you can do that wouldn't be my favorite glute isolation exercise my favorite glute isolation exercise has got to be well it's not an isolation but my favorite glute builder is absolutely lunges um, if you can get heavy lunges heavy walking lunges they are phenomenal for building out big glutes um, you only need a few sets they will wreck you and you know, I think getting single leg variations is always going to be good. Speaking of which, I'd say Bulgarian split squats. I feature those heavily in nearly every single one of the programs I do, namely because they suck. They, I don't think there is a harder movement to do that for either heavy or light or whatever than Bulgarian split squats. Raise that front foot up, get even deeper. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Um, uh, but the key to making sure that your Bulgarian split squats hit your glutes is to get that front foot all the way out forward. Make sure you've got a nice long stride, and that's going to make sure you hit a lot more of the glutes. You can get a nice little bit of a forward lean on there, and then you squeeze the glute of the front leg that's on the floor. Oh, yeah, that's phenomenal. Um, other than that, um, again, I think it's a case of making sure that you get a nice, good warm-up um so you do the band work you do those sorts of things you know with the the monster crawl so if you've got um if you put a band either between your uh, around your knees or around your thighs or around your ankles depending on the resistance make sure that your knees are stay over your toes and then you sort of just walk um i guess i'll put those on my instagram at, at some point but i think everyone knows what i'm talking about if you don't just hit me up slide into my dms at tj.strength and i'll make sure i film a video there and then for you um but I think just making sure you get good warm-ups of those, side-laying clams, um, any sort of good glute activation movement. And you can just literally type into Google glute activation, and there's there's a bunch because underactive glutes are a common way that people don't build out big glutes. It's not because they're not doing enough glute movements. Like you say, you're doing squats and deads, but I would hasten to guess that you've probably aren't using your glutes as efficiently as you can in those movements. So the do the things that I said there. So make sure you squeeze your glutes when, when you're at your knee on the deadlift so we're not muscling up with our back. Same thing for the squats. But um, making sure that your glutes are nice and warm so you've done a good warm-up, you've got blood flow through there, you should be able to contract that muscle a little bit better. It should open up that mind-muscle connection. And like I said earlier, if you can get a really good mind-muscle connection with the glutes, then rather than do a bunch of different isolation movements for the glutes, it's actually a much better idea to make sure that they're warm and then do heavy-ass compound work or um, I say heavy-ass, like, ah, that's a pun. That's a great pun. But I mean just heavy work, you know, even into 12 to 15 reps range, if it's nice and heavy, it's going to challenge you and it's going to really build out those glutes. I don't think doing a bunch of different movements like those Instagram fucking chicks, I'm yet to see a chick that does all of those movements that actually builds a big ass. Usually that big ass comes from squats, comes from hip thrusts, comes from deads, comes from split squats, uh, comes from uh, Romanian deadlifts, comes from uh, lunges, 
Those sorts of movements are what builds out a big booty, but it only works if you're squeezing the glutes and you're using those muscles properly. Because you can also just sort of muscle up a a deadlift with your back. You can also muscle up a squat with your uh, quads and sort of do it, you know, uh, do it poorly. And therefore, you're not really doing it for the right reasons or you're not you, you know we, we go back into lifting for lifting sake you got to make sure that you're squatting you're deadlifting you're doing those big compound movements and squeezing those glutes at the top of each movement every time all right beautiful we are done there that is all of the questions that we have for today if you want to ask any make sure that you join rugby muscle athletes the facebook group um just type rugby muscle athletes on facebook if you haven't already you got to make sure that you get 50 free rugby conditioning sessions uh, over at rugby-muscle.com. For all the show notes, check that out. Follow me at tj.strength where I'll be posting. Uh, it's mostly going to be rugby-specific strength and conditioning and nutrition tips now from now on because you guys are the people I want to be working with. Regular Joes, regular Janes, eh, there's enough for them. It's time that we took over the rugby world via world-class rugby strength conditioning and actual real-world nutrition. Thank you so much for listening. And again, give us five-star review on iTunes if you haven't done already. Mean the world to me. And I'll see you guys in the next one. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really do hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure that you subscribe so you can get every single future episode delivered directly to your phone without any sort of hassle whatsoever. If you'd like to win some cool free stuff, then you can go ahead and go give us a five-star review, ideally on iTunes, but you can use whatever podcasting service you do to give us a five-star review. Right now, we're giving away a three a free three-month subscription to Team Rugby Muscle. That's our flagship strength and conditioning program where you can get world-class strength and conditioning delivered directly to your phone so that you can make the most amount of progress in the simplest way possible. And last but not least, you can download 50 free conditioning sessions just by visiting rugby-muscle.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one.